Welcome to more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, now a contributing editor to Publishers Weekly, but I also continue to be, uh, the, um, uh, PW, PW Comics World editor and editor of the Fanatic PW's twice a month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Hi, I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com and also a contributing editor to PW, actually, come to think of it. Um, you can find <laughs> us on Twitter at, at @PWComicsWorld. Uh You can also find us at Facebook at, at PWComicsWorld on Tumblr and all major platforms at PWComicsWorld. Well, today, Calvin and I are joined by the illustrious Anel Miller. Uh, former executive director of the Society of Illustrators, uh, a post that she held for many years, and she has just left to pursue other wonderful per, uh, activities, but leaves behind a shining legacy. So Calvin and I had wanted to, to grill her for an exit interview, but it might be more triumphalism, I guess. So now, welcome. Thank you. Thank you both so much. I'm so thrilled to be with you guys. Yeah. Really. It, it's, it's a big wet kiss for, uh, for, for <laughs> that's what it was. That's big virtual wet kiss. Well, <laughs> we, uh, of course admire, always admire the Society of Illustrators, uh, as just a cultural institution in New York City with such an incredible history. Um, but now during your tenure, of course, you absorbed MOCA, the Museum of Comic and Cartoon Art. And the society became the nexus of comics culture in New York as well. It did. It did. We're very proud of that. I mean, there's so many things that I'm, that I'm proud of, of, of accomplishing here. And certainly bringing our comics community together is, is the highlight and, and really important to me and to the society. Yeah. Well, hopefully you, you don't, ha- you're not sick of us. So. <laughs> oh, there was, <laughs> no. there was some moments, but you know, when you, when you started uh at the society, I'm gonna take it back just a little bit through um you know, memory lane here. But so when you started the society, I mean had you run a non profit before? Did you have non profit No, I I came from the corporate world. Um I was with the Estee Lauder companies for uh twenty eight years. So I had um a lot of experience um creating a business and a brand because I helped create the cosmetic brand origins when I was at Estee Lauder. So I really had so much experience um, on the financial end, on the PR end, on advertising, merchandising, you know, um, how to build a business. So that was so important when I got here because we needed to um, create this incredible organization as a business. And that's what I was able to bring, that experience. Um, but of course, I had lots of Wonderful friends who were consultants, uh, to be able to write grants and to reach out for funding and, and then everybody in the community was always so welcoming and, and ready to help and, and give advice. So that, that, that was fantastic. Yeah. So, so now I just wanted to jump in to make sure our listeners know. I mean, you're, well, first of all, you're a native New Yorker, right? Queens girl, oh, yes. if I'm not mistaken, right? That would be correct. Uh, you're, I mean, you're like a former fashion illustrator. I mean, this, on some ways takes us to a whole other time in illustration. Yeah. Uh, but, and ex- not only an executive director at, at the society, the executive director of the Society of, Il- of Illustration since 2007. 2007, yeah, 16 years. 
an educator and entrepreneur as well as a visionary executive. And, and, and that just ties into what I just said about, you know, what you have, the, the impact on the New York City cartooning and, and beyond because of Mocha. Um, so yeah, uh, um, it, I'd like to a little bit, bit more about your own, uh, uh, past as an illustrator. Sure. So, um, as you said, yes, I am from Queens. I'm a borough girl. <laughs> um, I went to the High School of Art and Design here in Manhattan. I majored in fashion illustration mm-hmm. and then went to Parsons School of Design. So ah. New, York, New York has been, you know, I mean, I am certainly a native New Yorker. So what was interesting about my career was when I graduated from Parsons, which was the mid-70s, That was a moment in time when fashion illustration was sort of being usurped by fashion photography. And I didn't see a real path for me, um, you know, employment-wise and financially. So I sort of shifted a little bit and went into creative direction and art direction. Hmm. So really my first job, this is going to sound so crazy, my first job when I left Parsons was being a staff illustrator for the J.C. Kenney Company. (laughs) And I love I, it. I know. How funny is that? Uh, yes. Had, well, another brand pens, from the past. Yeah, when but, yeah. they had bullpens filled with illustrators. So it was, wow. it was a dream job, though. I mean, there I was in a bullpen drawing all day long, drawing everything from fashion to refrigerators to TVs, because that's when everything for all their catalogs, everything was illustrated. Mm. So it was an incredible job right out of school. And then, um, as I said, I sort of moved a little bit more into creative direction and I worked for a very small pharmaceutical advertising agency down on 22nd street. And I learned all about, uh, of course it's extinct now, but typesetting and retouching and actually making mechanicals by hand and, you know, doing all of that incredible work, which was fantastic. And then I got the opportunity to join the Estee Lauder companies in uh, 1978 as an assistant art director. And then my career just sort of, you know, kept expanding at the Estee Lauder companies until finally I was a senior vice president, creative director, yeah. and created the uh, the Origins brand with a group of, with a whole group of people, with a group of amazing people. Um, but I always came to the society to draw from the time I was in high school. I always came on sketch night to draw. And uh, so I'm hoping that I will have time now to draw again at sketch night. It's one of, one of my goals. Yes. So you're, you're not, you're not just the executive director of it. You're a client. (laughs) I am a client. (laughs) I I was always a client. That's correct. (laughs) I was always a client. And then when I left the Estee Lauder companies for two years, I, I created two of my own. So entrepreneur, I created two of my own businesses and, sort of consulted for Lauder, but had uh, I created a business uh, called Original Women where we sold handcrafted items from women artisans from around the world. And I had a website and we did shows and events. And then I had another consulting business uh, for design where I was helping nonprofits design some of their advertising and graphic design. And then I got the call to interview here for the job. So, uh it's been pretty incredible. Did you, so, I mean, when you took over the society though, I mean, you know, what was it? I mean, I've always been aware of, of the society because I had a lot of friends who were illustrators and, you know, sometimes we would, uh, they would, uh, you know, bring me along to one of the great shows there and everything. So I was aware of it. But after you took over, 
it just really became a lot more vibrant and a lot more of a social network. I, you know, just a place for, for the whole community to really share. I mean, so what was your, what was your initial, you know, what was your initial goal when you, when you joined? The main goal that I had was to, um, diversify this organization in on every level diversity across the board i don't have to name all of them but everybody knows what it is and to open this place up to uh be inviting for young people because young people and still i mean that still is a goal here because young people are the future of what's going to keep this organization alive um yes we have incredible members and older People who have, have always supported us and, of course, will continue to. But if it's not for the young people to embrace this organization and feel like this is another home for them, whether it's illustration or comics, I mean, any kind of illustration, fashion, fantasy art, science fiction, doesn't matter what it is. They have to feel comfortable here. And that was my main goal. And I feel like we were really successful and we've achieved that and there's still a course a huge amount of more work to always be done to uh to appeal to the younger to the younger audience you know it's an ongoing job totally. is this true I, I i was digging around online and um uh i heard that your first your most radical um change uh when you took over at society village was, was redesigning the galleries which apparently had carpet on the walls the, the, is that true? Yeah, yeah. Do you not remember that? Do you remember the great? You know, vaguely, but I, I admit, I didn't. I hadn't been a lot to the yeah. Society of Illustrators. I mean, I had heard about it. So the one thing in my very first interview for the job, um, I I said to them because I I felt like I needed to be honest, and if they were going to hire someone, they needed to understand what they were going to get. And the first thing I said to them was, "I just need you to know that if you hire me, that that." Minute after I'm hired, <laughs> I will be taking the carpeting off the walls. Um, and that, and I did that. I mean, we had to do that, you know, I mean, sure. and that was like, you know, I mean, we had white walls and yes, you spackle and paint and yeah, that's, it's what you do. Did the, yeah. was the board okay with that? I mean, did the, they were did so, put- fri- they were so frightened. And it was just so funny. And I said, it's going to be, I had to assure them. I said, I promise you it's going to be okay. I promise you it's going to be okay. It, it worked out. <laughs> it did. It totally did. And you, you know, it became, there's, it, it's such a great place to, to look oh, at art. Great. But you, you know, yeah. how do, I mean, how do you curate the shows though? I mean, were you also the curator? Did you work with people? I mean, you know, putting on art shows is, is a whole other very complicated. I know, I know. I I think that, you know, my, my team here, my staff, you know, I can never say enough incredible things about the young people who have worked for me and who continue here to work. I mean, they're extraordinary and they are as passionate and as caring so we would just meet and, and, and decide what we felt was important for all the different galleries and always think about the whole building, you know, what's going to be in the main, what's going to be on the second, what's going to be on the third. You know, you had to think of the whole structure and, and what would draw people in and then they would see other things that were, that were here. Um, so we, we worked with some of the board members. We worked with some wonderful outside collectors who, you know, wanted to have shows here. And then, you know, I mean, it wasn't until really five years into it when we took over MoCA, right? Because that was not until like 2012. So, mm-hmm. 
weren't thinking too much about comics in the first few years, but then when the whole comics thing happened, we were like, okay, now we have a whole other incredible area to focus on. And we just started working with all the incredible people in the industry and getting ideas. And, you know, sometimes we'll get emails from people pitching ideas and now even more so because people want to have exhibits here, which is sort of a nice thing. So we sort of have a waiting list of, you know, people who want to exhibit art here. Um, so that's a good problem to have. Um, but it was always thinking about the whole building and, and what would be on, on every, on every level. And it's still, that thought process is still in, in effect. On well, that I, I note, mean, oh, excuse me. Heidi, go ahead. Oh, well, just, just real fast, I want to say, I, I, if, uh, for listeners, uh, you know, on comic side, there's a exhibit of Colleen Doran's art for yes. Neil Gaiman. That's incredible. Yeah. My God, she's so good. I was, you know, it breath, uh, my breath was taken away walking and seeing all this amazing art by Colleen. And I think that's up for, for a while more. I'm sorry, Calvin, go on. Oh, um, and you know that tonight, you know, tonight there's an online, uh, panel discussion with Colleen. Oh, oh wow. Even better. Tonight. Even yeah. better. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, uh, you know what? I very quickly, I, you know, um, for our listeners who may be like me <laughs> many years ago, uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the Society of Illustrators founded in 1901. Um, you know, I mean, some of the, I mean, Norman Rockwell, right, was a member. Sure. I mean, sure. So, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, and one of the challenges, and I'll just say this before I go back a little bit, um, one of the challenges you have with, with a nonprofit that's, that's been around for so long is you, you have to respect the history. You, you, you can't just say, oh, well, this didn't happen or that didn't happen. You have to respect the history of where the organization has come from and then you have to make it relevant for today. So that's, that's a very, uh, interesting challenge and it's a lot of juggling that you have to do with that. But the society was founded in 1901 um, by a group of some illustrators and a few businessmen as just a networking organization for illustrators. And they had some temporary housing downtown. They never had, you know, a, a permanent home until 1939 when they uh, bought this building and turned it into their head, their headquarters, <laughs> you know, their clubhouse, their headquarters, which... Which it was is a boys' uh, club, I assume. Which it was, <laughs> it was pretty much a boys' club. That's mm-hmm. correct. Um, but again, 1939, you know, different, different world. <laughs> you sure? Um, and that's why I say you have to sort of respect sort of things sure. that did take place. Um, I, I, I should say the, probably a, a white boys' club, I would imagine. Um, pretty much, yes, yeah, for the right, most part, right. yes. And um, so it was not diverse, pretty much on any level, yeah. for the most part. Um, so they, uh, they had this at the headquarters and they had all sorts of parties and lots of social things. I mean, this was a social hub for New York City society. And at that time, you know, the line deckers and all of those illustrators, they were like rock stars and they, you know, sort of socialized with all of the high society people. So through the forties and even through the fifties, I mean, that's what this place was. Um, and then in 1981, they established the museum portion of the Society of Illustrators and they did some, uh, transformation of the building. They did some renovation. They created the galleries. Um, so that was 1981, which isn't that long ago when you think about it. 
Um, But really over time and my other goal, and you asked me before what goals were. So another goal was to really make the mission uh, of the society be education and education through exhibits, through lectures, through workshops, through programs. Uh, And that is the other thing that I'm really, really proud of that we have done. And we have so many unbelievable educational programs here. And that I believe will just continue to grow and expand and become um, just really the focus of, of what we do here. Yeah. I have to ask you though, about just one of the quirks. I mean, it's a very quirky building and with so <laughs> yeah. much history and um, for anyone who hasn't gone, there is over the bar, there was this incredible mural by, as it, Maxfield Parish? No, no, no Norman Rockwell. Oh, Norman Rockwell. Yeah, yeah, excuse me. But yeah. it's it's a very Parish-esque piece, I have to say. Even though it's Norman Rockwell, he definitely was dipping his toe in the fantasy world. But it's a very beautiful, famous mural that I didn't remember the name of the illustrator. Uh, but anyway, it's so worth seeing. But also, like, where did the kitchen come in? <laughs> like, there's well, a they always, because it was a clubhouse and a membership mm. organization. They always had the kitchen because they had lunch. They had these, you know, they were carving roast beefs and hams, and you know, <laughs> I mean, they, it was a it was a club that you belonged to, and you would come and have you know have lunch here. And it was really only for members for. The longest time, I mean, even when I got here, it was only for members, and I changed that as well. Yeah. Well, well I that, tell you, that, I've had some pretty good meals at uh, the Society of Illustrators. That's another great, uh, you know, uh, perk of the Society taking over Mocha. Uh, lots of good food up in that, you know, dining area, bar. I know. I'm, I'm hoping maybe over time, maybe when they sort of look at the financials, maybe they can get back to having – some type of food service because unfortunately COVID, COVID, yeah, COVID kind of killed it's that. A shame yeah, because COVID it really, all that. it really was a, a great place to come and have lunch and just yes. you know hang out. Um, yes. Well, well, now let's 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 take you to that momentous day that the comics and the and the illustrators were finally joined uh, in Holy Society of Illustrators <laughs> um, yes. because there was always. You know, illustrators, like you said, they were rock stars. I mean, they were just so, you know, this is, this is how they were able to pool their money and buy a brownstone in the, uh, the East 60s, uh, an incredibly valuable piece of real estate and back of the day. But, um, you know, and car, car, comics artists, cartoonists, you know, some of them uh, were quite famous comic strip artists, but there was always a little bit of a, of a, I don't want to say... Well, I think the illustrators some look overlap, down right? on the comic artists. I mean, they, you know, I mean, but what's so interesting to me is, you know, you know that you're familiar with the library and the tile wall in the yeah. library. I mean, those tiles are pretty much all done by the most amazing comic artists. Yeah. So they were coming here in the 40s. They mm-hmm. they had, did have a presence here. So that's what I've always found so interesting. You know, you've got Ernie Bushmiller and Rube Goldberg tiles sitting on the walls that they were here making yeah. those tiles. Hmm. Um, but there was, I guess, always that, you know, looking down on comics and not really feeling like it was as important as illustration. Or just, yeah, there was, there was just a, it was just a, a little different. So, so how, how did the Mocha Society yeah. marriage come about? And what was your first thought when? <laughs> and and can we preface you? this? 
Brent, just quickly, I mean, the Mocha at that time, they, they, they Mocha was what? It started in about 2002, I think. I'd say that's uh, about right, yeah. And, Maybe you know, even back in the 90s. And yeah. well, it had been held at the Puck Building for many years downtown. Uh, it was a great show, probably one of the, the leading um, New York Independent Comics Arts Festival at the, at the, sure. at that time. I think time. it was the leading it, one. Yeah. I think it was. I yeah. think it was. And yet it seemed to be in jeopardy year after year after year, particularly the last three or four years before the acquisition. So just to, to I, let people who didn't know. Also, yeah. And also my memory's a little hazy because, but, but, you know, they had moved it to the armory, which I love. I mean, I live a block away from the armory. So of course I love that the neighborhood, but, um, you know, the 20, the Lexington Armory, mm-hmm. and, uh, I think it was before you took over that there was the infamous hot mocha. <laughs> <laughs> yes, was I that, remember the Was hot. that under your tenure or after? Before? I don't think so. What, I think what, that oh, was, be- no. I think that was before. That was before. So yes. there was, there was, <laughs> yes. and it wasn't anybody's fault. It was just that the armory is a gigantic old building that's more than a hundred years old. And I should point out, it has an incredible history in oh, yes art, in american you know? modern art like, yeah. yeah and in mm-hmm. the world modern art that's what yeah. impressionism right. was born right. there yes. the yes. right. show. um but it doesn't have air conditioning <laughs> <laughs> so anyway yeah there was a mocha that was held in june and it was a very unseasonably hot day and mm-hmm. um it was very unpleasant for people inside and and you know uh, for some reason it's very unfair it's very yeah. unfair that people blamed the organizers at that time yeah, for absolutely. the weather but, yeah, but uh anyway but, but in addition to the temperature problems it had financial problems as well yes so um and that's uh-huh. where so Our that's, story that's, begins. that's where the story begins because I got a, you know, they were, they were housed in that, in that space that it was not a, a, a front, you know, didn't have any presence on the street. So you had to go into that building and go up and, and find it, you know, the, the museum at that time down on, where was it? Lower it Broadway, was, right? Yeah, yeah, it was in Soho. There was, mm-hmm. just right. to be clear, there was a physical space that did have exhibits for yeah. yes. Oh, that was and, the lower yeah. Broadway space. Yeah, on Broadway. Yeah. It was on Broadway, it did, yeah. Just it didn't have a, a street home. presence. It didn't have a no. street presence. Yeah. So I think that that did not serve them well, you know, in, in terms of, of people being able to visit, you know. So I got a call one day here in my office um, from the, you know, the, the people who were leading the museum at that point saying that they were going to have to fold and they were going to close. And did I want to, did I have any desire to, to take it over? And without consulting anyone, without talking there you to go. anyone, I just sat on the phone and I said, yes, of course we will. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it. Of course we will. And then I hung up the phone and I was like, okay, I just made this huge decision about you know, <laughs> another museum. I, maybe I should tell someone. And I, I I called in some of my staff and I said, we're, we're going to take over, you know, the Museum of Comic and Cartoon Art. And they were like, well, that's a great idea. Okay. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, now I have to tell the board that I just did this. There you go. <laughs> and, but, you know, everyone was, you know, it, it was, it was great. I mean, it was a great mm-hmm. moment and of course a great decision and no one regrets it for one single minute. And then we just figured, you know, okay, how are we going to make this amazing and what are we going to do? Well, one of the amazing things you did was when you did run the next Mocha show, which was at, uh, the Lexington Armory again. It was at the Armory. And you did the most spectacular thing and <laughs> you, I think this was a, a flag planting moment. 
uh, where you brought in the Snoopy balloon that's normally in the Macy's parade. Yeah. So yes. what, and, and it was spectacular and amazing and I'm sure it cost a lot of money and, you know, was very difficult. So what's the story? Now it can be told. Yeah. What is yeah, the that story was a great of the Snoopy touch. balloon? No, it really I mean, was I the think Snoopy mocha. I, I'm trying to go back and think of how I, how I did it. Um, I think maybe part of my Estee Lauder connections with Macy's somehow. Ah. I just thought, how are we going to like do something like, so incredible in this space. It's this big open space. We've, we've got to like fill it with something. And through some of my connections, um, I, I connected with Macy's and we had these conversations about, and it, it you know, I'm not going to say it was cheap, but it wasn't crazy expensive. And we looked at the budget and we were like, how can we get sponsorship to help cover the cost of renting this balloon? Mm-hmm. And, and we did it. We, we, we did it. I was looking at those pictures just the other day and they are just amazing pictures. They're amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was truly spectacular. And I think one of the things that it really did for the whole community was just, you know, the, the history of comic book museums, unfortunately, is very fraught. And there have been so many that people collected, you know, um, Mort Walker, the cartoonist, uh, the comic strip cartoonist had a museum. And I, I don't even know where that collection is yeah. now. I think it's in Florida. Oh, we're having, a, we're having a, a centennial celebration exhibit of his work oh. in, in uh, soon in the fall. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, yeah, we've and been working then- with Brian, yeah. There was also a one that Kevin Eastman had that was on his personal collection. That one is gone. Uh, there was the, there is the cartoon, um, museum in San Francisco, which is great. And I, I was just visiting there when I was out uh, about a month ago. And, um, and you know, Mocha tried and, you know, it did, it, it was a very important part of the community, but it had obviously struggled, you know, financially. So I think when you bought in that balloon, it really, it really was a a moment of pride, you know. It really boosted the community, and it really showed that the society becoming involved was going to be great. I mean, not that it, we didn't know that, but I mean, having a giant Snoopy <clears throat> balloon shows that in, you know, without any question, without any doubt, and it just showed that that you were going to do things that nobody had tried before, and it was a really great moment. Well, thanks. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were really excited about it. And like I said, I just looked at those pictures the other day and thought, wow, that really, it, it was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. But- well, I, I remember also at the time, uh, I mean, you also made, I mean, that was a great gesture. I mean, obviously, uh, the armory is a huge space. I mean, to be able to, to be walking down the aisles and glance up and see Charlie Brown looking down at you, it was really hilarious. Um, but you know, you made immediate upgrades to pretty much everything about, uh, the uh, mocha programming, cafe, I think you said signage. I mean, right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah volunteers. And you changed the pricing, um, situation as well. Yeah. So I guess that's where my, all of my Estee Lauder business experience really came into play. You know, I was used to, uh, putting on big sales meetings and how do you make them spectacular and how do you make people feel really good and get them excited. And so that's where all of that great experience um, really came in handy on how to put on, how to run an event. Because it's not easy to run an event. And as you know, there were just this past mocha, there were 8,600 people who came well, to 
I wanted you to point that out. I mean, I think that's yeah. what the one of the most significant increase in attendance. I mean, obviously, you also had to make it through the uh, pandemic years yeah. as well. Yeah. But um, uh, but Mocha looks healthy. It was buzzing. It was buzzing. And, you know, when you throw an event, everyone's a critic. Oh, of course. As, <laughs> as we need, we need the critics, of course. Yes. Um, but you know, just, just going back in time a little bit more, just, um, you know, obviously the armory was a very problematic location. And as much as, you know, the history, I think the hist- history of the building was fun for Mocha. It just wasn't, it wasn't the right venue, but Finding a venue for an event in New York City is not a very easy thing. So can no. you talk a little about the crazy journey? Because I think the next year you held it in this well, really- we, we were at the Armory for a few years. Yes. And then we went to that interesting space that was in, uh, on West 22nd Street. Yes. It was like was... three floors, if you remember. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, it was you're only there floors. one year, right? We were yeah, because they tore it down or so something. We're <laughs> turning it into uh, condos. Or yes, because all of Chelsea over there is being turned into condos. So, uh, yes. <laughs> but that's when we found uh, Metropolitan West, um, right. which, of course, is a part of Metropolitan Pavilion. Um, and that's when we were at Metropolitan West for for yeah. several years. And That was on the that, west side there. That was near like, the Intrepid. It was yeah. near the Intrepid. You know, the... The location wasn't, you know, as convenient, of course, as where we, as where we are now with Metropolitan Pavilion, but it was a wonderful space. It was mm. a great space for us and allowed us to do all of the wonderful things that, you know, we wanted to do in terms of having the exhibitors and having, you know, having access locally to, to programming offsite, which, which has always worked out well for us. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, the pandemic, COVID, uh, that, that space is no longer an event space. Um, but Metropolitan Pavilion, the, the still own, you know, the, those were the same owners and they offered us, you know, the same kind of, um, I won't say the same kind of deal because, um, the, you know, the prices go up every single year. Um, but they offered us the same kind of organization that, and, and promises of, of really putting on an incredible event. And uh, I have to say that this new venue, I think, is just absolutely um, perfect for us. Yeah, and this is on West 18th Street. The West 18th. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, the Metropolitan Pavilion is just so centrally located. It's easy to get to. It has, yeah. you know, food everywhere yes. around it. And um, yes. and it's just, a, it's just really part of, you know, the cultural center. Again, like, I mean, there's so many events there. So your people oh, are always going to the Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, what what's also wonderful for us being there is the collaboration we have with the School of Visual Arts. You know, they donate the programming space to us, which is oh, mm-hmm. extraordinary. Uh, it's extraordinary. Yeah. Yes, those spaces are great. And they're yes. really great for the panels. Um, very comfortable, uh, great seating. Yep. You know, uh, all kinds of audio visual. It's just great. Right. So um, we've made a lot, we've made a lot of progress with MochaFest over the years. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, uh, well, you know, maybe this is the time to ask. This is what, like 10 years now under your, uh, under the Mocha, under the direction yes. of the Society of Illustrators and you. Yes. I mean, um, what can you tell us about the impact? I mean, you kind of have been telling us, but the impact of, uh, SOI on Mocha and Mocha on the society. 
Well, I think to what you were saying before, Heidi, I mean, I think this has brought the community very much together in terms of there's no distinction between comics and illustrators. And I mean, it's all, it's all one here. You know, when we do educational programming, we look to all of our incredible creators to, to head up workshops, to head up panels, to, uh, to be part of our, you know, academies for children that we do. Um, so I think that that has brought everyone together in such an incredibly positive way. Um, in terms of diversity, I think that's been, you know, amazing. Um, exhibits, you know, I mean, on every level, yes. it, it just brought us together. So there's no distinction here anymore between, you know, who's a illustrator, right. who's a comic artist, who's a cartoonist. I mean, everyone is just together. And that's, that's really special. It is, it is true. And, um, I, I think one of the other things that I just wanted to go back to the festival for a moment, because I think one of the other really cool things that you did was you brought in a whole different level of sponsors and, you know, mm-hmm. that you were able to do, I mean, like Wacom came right. in, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. the kind of technical, um, technical side of things that, that do really speak to, yeah. um, you know, people who are learning, who are coming up yeah. and, you know, using the tools. And I thought that was really a great innovation as well. Well, I, I also think that one of the very special things about Mocha Fest is that we have so much um, educational organizations that participate in Mocha Fest, probably more than I think I could say more than any other festival, you know, between all of the the colleges and even high schools. We had two, yes. you know, two high schools this past year with the students who want to be comic artists and, you know, illustrators. So the presence of the that educational component, again, it goes back to what I was saying before about our mission. So that educational component of MochaFest is, is critical. It's really, um, it's very, it's very important for us. I mean, one thing that the, uh, the old Mocha had that they, for a while, they, they hosted the Harvey Awards. Um, uh, and I think there was a show prize too, but you, you, you instituted a whole new, um, a, a new slate of prizes, um, you know, under the Society of Illustrators. You want to yes. talk about that? Yeah, we have the MOCA Awards of Excellence mm-hmm. and we, you know, we've restructured it a little bit over the past two years. So now we have, um, three, three people who judge the festival. They come in on Saturday and they choose their five top pieces that they think should win an award and all 15, um, Exhibitors get an award. They get a cash prize and they get a Wacom tablet. No, it's yes. great. I was lucky to be asked to uh, be a judge one year. Uh, and it's, uh, I, I think in our last story about this year's MOCA, I remember, I think Karen Green talked about, uh, just how great it is when, you know, you pick these, you know, some of these young cartoonists and, you know, they're going to get, they get great prizes too. This is, yeah, I mean, Wacom, you know, it's great. You, yeah. you, you guys deliver. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, that's absolutely another, just another really great way, you know, that the community feels, feels validated and accepted and heard. And, well, um, and then we put the, we, we put their work online on our website. Mm-hmm. We create an online gallery so that they get even more presence, um, on the website. Yeah. It, it's true. And, uh, it, it, it really is just, you know, all good things. And now you just did so much. All right. So I have to ask, <laughs> is there one thing that you tried to do that you couldn't quite get across the finish line? 
Oh, that's a good question. Um, wow. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything. Um, <laughs> isn't that a good answer? I, don't think <laughs> I think that I just uh, like <laughs> got it all done, you know, done and dusted. No, I mean, I think I laid a foundation for many, many good programs and, and initiatives. So are they finished? Of course not. They're just, some of them are in their infancy stages. And I think there's so much room to take those initiatives and programs and to make them even bigger and better. So I can't say that, you know, anything is complete or concluded because it's not. It's just this great ongoing history that we're just going to continue to make here. Well, I've, I've got a question just about how the Society of Illustrators and MOCA are kind of how they're sort of situated. Now, the, the, uh, both it's both entities have permanent collections. So, where are they stored? Are they there? Is yeah. it yeah. at the building? Uh, so, everything is there. In that, you have storage capacity and all of the conservation stuff that you need these yes, days. Yes, they're barely storage capacity, but yes. Yeah. So, Heidi, I'm going to go back to your question. I couldn't figure out how to get an elevator in here. Uh, there you go. Crap. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I tried. I tried. I did all of the research and had a company come in here, but I couldn't figure out how to get an elevator. Wow. Okay, there you go. That is, yeah. You you can't stick one on the outside of the building? No. No. (laughs) I mean, it's very difficult. Sometimes if you go to Europe and they have those little teeny tiny elevators that literally fit between the the railings of the stairs, you know, like one person and one suitcase can be in the elevator, but, you know, that's pretty desperate, so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, well, there you go. Some, uh, yeah, just have to get rocket packs for people to, to, you know, fly up to the, to the top. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Anel, at your, at, at your, uh, so you had a party, a going away party at the society a couple weeks ago or a week ago, very recently. Yeah. But, yeah. um, that was, uh, really wonderful. And it, I hadn't been there since COVID. It was really great to be back. And, you know, you had the outside patio, people sitting around and just, you know, seeing people I hadn't seen forever. It was great. But you also, the mayor, our, our right. troubled mayor did right. one great thing. Right. And he made it a Nell Miller day. Right. He signed, uh, Tim O'Brien was instrumental in making that happen. And I have this proclamation from the mayor that was presented to me, which was pretty, pretty extraordinary. Sure. I mean, it's pretty special. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. But you also talked about like, you know, even though you've stepped down, you are not retiring. You are doing a lot of right. things. And like one of the things you do, is a prison program. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yes, I would love to tell you about that. So again, um, goes back to our mission of education. Um, so we have had for a little over 20 years, an incredible partnership with the New York city parks after school department, uh, which one of our, um, you know, original board members, Abby Merrill started with the parks department years ago. Um, and that is an art academy for uh, underserved youth. And we, we, um, host them in the winter, the spring. And then I started a summer camp for them. I guess about, I, I think it's going back eight, 10, almost 10 years ago now that we've been doing the summer academy. And it's an incredible, incredible, uh, program where we, um, you know, different illustrator, comic artists, 
creators work with the kids every day. We get sponsorship. We're able to give them art supplies. Um, we take them all to all different cultural sites around the city. I mean, it's, it's just an extraordinary program. So seven years ago, um, I was approached by a program director at, on Rikers Island and they called here to see if they had done some research on us and found us and read about us and, uh, asked if we would be at all interested in starting some type of a program on Rikers Island. And, um, again, it was one of those things where I just immediately said yes and didn't ask anyone else. <laughs> there <about> you go. <laughs> <laughs> and we started an art academy for, um, for youth on Rikers Island. And it's been about seven years now. And, um, I go there before COVID. We were going twice a week, but now we're back to going, uh, once a week, but in two different housing units. And we work with the young men, ages 18 to 21. We only work with the young men, and they put us in different housing units. And we do different art projects with them. Uh, we make, we do collage, we do comics, we do uh, coloring of, you know, interesting. I bring them Leonardo da Vinci coloring pages, and I teach them about art. And um, or Jean Michel Basquiat, you know, murals. We create their own murals. We make holiday cards and Mother's Day cards and Valentine's Day cards. Um, and it's pretty incredible. It's probably the most incredible thing that I personally have done with my life. So that program will continue. My Rikers Island program will continue. Um, over the course of seven years, I have brought some uh, illustrators with me. Currently, Victor Juhas comes with me, and he documents uh the what goes on and he we draw portraits of the boys and we bring their portraits back to them and they're pretty blown away by seeing someone draw because they've never experienced that ever so it's like magic to them when they see victor or myself draw um so it's it's incredible that's I'm amazing proud, i'm very proud of it do you, of it. do you do you experience people who who have, you know, a love of art, who just never... Every once in a while. Right now I have a young man who um, I've brought him extra paper and I've brought him all kinds of tear sheets on different artists. And every week now he brings me uh, some art that he has made the, during the week because uh, I've sort of been trying to work with him and teaching him how to draw from shapes and how to, you know, just how to conceptualize certain things. But this is an unusual one. It doesn't... Mm-hmm happen very often yeah yeah amazing and i think it's just because they've never been exposed to art they just they don't even really understand what it is to even draw you know wow wow it's really interesting yeah it's incredible so i will continue with that program Mm -hmm. yes my rikers island program here at the society will continue um well, now you're going to be, you're going to be retiring at the end of June, right? And you yes. will be executive director emeritus, if, from Correct. what I've read. Correct. Uh, and you, your successor has been chosen. Oh yes. I've been working with Arabelle for the past, uh, five weeks now. We've been sitting side by side here and I've been, as I say, I've been downloading my brain. <laughs> so what's her name? What, uh, what's, what's the, what's her, 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 her name again? Her name is Arabelle Leopold, mm. and she's wonderful. She's smart and funny, and she she totally gets it and embraces our 
our community and is really excited about taking on this um, this new role. I got to meet Arabelle at your your party, your your retirement party, and um, yes, she is very energetic and delightful to meet, and I really look forward to to seeing what she does. So, yeah, it's there's... gonna it's gonna be great. And yeah. of course, you know, as I've told everyone, I, I won't be shy in voicing my opinion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so, um, Anel, is there anyone, I mean, there's so many great cartoonists, illustrators, I mean, you know, like the legendary talents that come through the society have been, uh, you know, throughout history are, you know, incredible. Like you talk about the tiles, it's just like a record of all these, you know, amazing, amazing, people who, you know, change the culture, touch the culture, have been through there. But um, is there anybody that you've met? I mean, people, you know, guests, mocha guests, or, you know, people that you dealt with that really struck you or really, you know, the uh, Reader's Digest, you know, the Reader's Digest section, the most amazing person I ever met. Now, yeah. was there, you know, any of the, um, the people that you, you really were struck by? I would have to say... I mean, yes, you know, I've met amazing people and they're all extraordinary, but I really go back to the young people who I have met. Um, there was one girl in particular who started out and we worked with her when she was 11 years old in our art academy. And she wound up being, we followed her all through these years and she wound up teaching one of my workshops at the summer academy this past summer. So when that kind of thing happens, that's pretty special. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. special. She went on to have a wow her education, majored in art, wanted to be a teacher, and she succeeded. So, yes, there are all those incredible names, and you know all the names, and I've met many of them, and they're all, you know, iconic people, but... When I have the success from the students and the young people, that's really what sticks with me. That's, that's so true though. I mean, I just, you know, part of what, what Mocha has become and, um, is really just a place where you do go discover new artists, discover new voices and, you know, hear about them and, and see them. You know, the programming too is so great where you see new cartoonists on the panels with older established cartoonists right. and get to see them them um connect and and just it's it is great i mean it's you know calvin and i are comics lifers i guess and you know that's that's why like seeing that growth when you see that growth of somebody it's just so rewarding it's it's so rewarding i mean you know i've seen some of the young people who started here as interns with us here at the society and they're exhibiting at mocha and they have incredible careers now and that's that's really what it's all about and, and just as I was mentioning before, I mean, the show prizes, uh, you know, when you, you know, when you see, uh, some of these very young artists get these awards, I mean, it's really meaningful. It really has an impact on them. I know there's absolute delight and, um, you know, you brought all of that to in, into, into the world. You brought it into Mocha and enhanced it, um, gave us a bigger audience, uh, and gave us a central point, you know, that, that, you know, event that the whole industry in the city can kind of get around. So there you go. Well, <laughs> we are proud of that also. And as I said, that will just continue to grow and get better. And it's all good. Yeah. 
Well, Anel, you've done an amazing job uh, with just some of these these achievements and accomplishments um, that we've talked about over your was it uh, sixteen years? Seventeen, yeah, yeah, sixteen years. Uh, that's a good run, and um, you know, but you doing more things. But thank you, just thank you. Yeah, Thanks for yeah. sitting so, down with us here thank- today. Thank, thank you both, not just for this, but for all of your support over the years, because it's really, you know, getting great press and, and, and having the word get out there. I mean, it's really you guys that do all of that for us. And, and that's what's really important, too, just letting people know, building awareness. And that's so important. Well, it, it, not only did, did you, you know, just solidify MOCA, but really for many of us who had heard of the Society of Illustrators, but perhaps didn't always spend that much time going there. It's been an, it's been, uh, uh, enlightenment for both, you know, for the society to find out the incredible history there that's there here in New York, of course. And then, of course, to put that together with Mocha, uh, a whole new demographic, a whole new generational in, uh, influx of new ideas and new blood. It's just, you know, you've had a big impact. Uh, on this, the whole cartooning community, yeah. you know, up and down the East Coast. Yeah. The mayor was right. It was yes. been a Nell day. Exactly. He was right about one thing, he right? Was right about yes, one he got thing. one thing, you know, right. You know, and not too many things else. There you go. We're going to get too political here. But yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Should we wrap this up? We're hitting I, up. We're, I think we're, we're right at our time limit. So. Yeah. I think we, so, uh, yeah. Well, Anel, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. And again, thank you both for all that you do. And, and, uh, I'll, I will be around. I will definitely be around. All right. That's right. All we'll right. be looking for you. All well, right. <laughs> so thanks, Anel Miller and Calvin. As always, there will be more to come.